Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number 71 of Bleeding Blue. And today we are recapping and analyzing and talking all about week two of the preseason, where the New York football giants defeated the Bears of Chicago by a score of 32 to 13. The music just suddenly stopped. We are halfway through the preseason and that much closer to the start of the season. So without further ado, let's bleed blue and Baker Mayfield is an ass. No, that's not what I wanted to do. David, it is so great to be talking to you, my friend. I feel like because we took a Saturday and a Monday off, it feels like it's been three weeks since we recorded a podcast together. I know. It feels like it's been a long time. But hey, on the bright side, it gave Baker Mayfield enough time to be a freaking moron. But you're 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 a worse guy than Baker Mayfield is because because your internet wasn't working, even though you had no control over that. I really didn't. Remember how my shithead of the week was my giant shithead was was Mother Nature? Yes. She's continued to be a shithead as wow. the week has gone on. Wow. I see. But not as big as a shithead as Baker Mayfield. Right. But uh, uh, David, I'm going to give you 20 seconds to give your comments <laughs> on Baker Mayfield's uh, comments because I asked Twitter, I'm like, should we waste your time and talk about this or should we actually talk about football? So David, your 20 seconds starts right now. Uh, Baker Mayfield's an idiot. Um, it's very weird. That, that it seems like nobody in the Browns organization is, is talking about the Browns. Um, they're talking about the Giants, as is uh, seemingly everybody in the Redskins organization. It's funny. It's like this unhealthy obsession with the Giants once you leave. So we we own... Your time is up. We own a piece of land inside Baker Mayfield's head. And Odell Beckham's. Add him to the list of ex-girlfriends that we need to get a restraining order on. It's 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 a messy list. Here here's Let's. my here's my comments. These are grown ass adults that have free will. That oh uh, if uh, if they ask a question, uh, what else do you want them to say? Just like with John Mara, these are grown ass adults that can make free decisions to choose and word answers as cookie cutter as they want to, or as upfront and honest as they want to. And Baker Mayfield is an ass. An honest ass, but an ass. All right, there we go. Ooh. Let's not. Uh, you want to keep on talking about Baker Mayfield's ass, Justin? You went there, not me. That is true. I did go there. Um, so we have a we have a lot of different announcements. There there is so much to talk about on today's Bleeding Blue. The first thing I want to announce is David and I, and Bleeding Blue as a whole, we have a, started a pregame show on podcast apps. So. It is a separate show. It is a separate podcast from the regular Bleeding Blue NY Giants podcast. It is called Bleeding Blue colon Giants pregame show. You can find us on what will hopefully be most podcast platforms within the next upcoming weeks. I think the more podcasts and the more shows that we upload throughout the weeks come, more podcast platforms will pick it up. But I do know for a fact 
that we are on Apple, we are on Spotify, and those are two of the bigger podcast platforms. And I'm sure just because we're on Apple and Spotify, I'm sure that we are on a few more automatically. So please subscribe, please follow, please give positive reviews if you like what we do on this podcast so we can help uh, and try to grow that one. So that's what we're that's what we're doing. And the whole point of a pregame show is that the night before Giants games are going to be played, Dave and I will be recording a pregame show. It will be released the night slash the morning before a Giants game is played. So then you will have a few hours game day to listen to us talk and preview the game. And that's basically that's that announcement. David, do you have anything you want to say about Bleeding Blue starting a pregame show? There's not much to add about a pregame show. I mean, it's it's a it's a game it's a show before the game. Yeah, I I would probably say in addition to that, we should add on that you and I are gonna and you you've mentioned this a couple of times, but I just want to reiterate that you and I, whenever we get to go to the game together, we're gonna try to live stream before yes. the game. Yes. Um, and we've also been talking. You know, for for folks who who don't know, Justin and I do not live close to we we don't live that close to each other, especially so, when I'm in Philadelphia. Well, that, that's kind of what I'm saying. He's in, he's in Philly. I'm in New York. So, but we, ha- we have been talking about meeting up for some of the games and, and maybe we can do some live streaming and some live streaming during the game if we're watching together, something like that. So we're, we're, we got a couple things, a couple things cooking, Justin, a couple things cooking. Yes, we do. So that's that announcement. Uh, follow us on those whatever platform you may listen to. If we are not on any of your platforms, please let us know, and I will try to get that worked out as soon as possible. Um, David, I... Uh, well, here, I'll just say this. Uh, I met Daniel Jones a couple days ago. Yeah, Justin, I don't know why you're letting me talk. You should be your royalty. You just go. All right, so here's kind of the background behind it. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to uh, Marcus Eberhardt. Go follow him on Twitter, at NoJokeMoke. My friend Marcus, he's been a follower of um, myself and Bleeding Blue and David for a little while now. You know, if you're a listener of Bleeding Blue, you know that I am myself and David are both very, very big fans of Marcus Golden and his work and his production that he's had in the past. And he has a great story coming off of the torn ACL and all that on all that fun stuff. So we've definitely bolstered Marcus Golden before because we think that he's going to be a stud this year. So Marcus is actually Marcus Golden's father. And We've been talking on Twitter for a little a little while, and he told me that he was going to be at the Giants game, the Giants preseason game this last Thursday. So I uh, I was like, okay, yeah. So we'll you know we'll meet at halftime, and we'll just say you know what's up and how, you know how we doing, and you know it's nice to meet you. It's it's always nice to I don't do a lot of Twitter meetups because I'm not the I'm not the biggest thing on Giants Twitter, but you know I, I I've done a few. I've done like two or three of them so far, and they've been and they've been really awesome. So. We meet up at halftime, and he gives me this wristband, and it says it's a Giants family wristband. So then he said, after the game, we're going to go to the tent that's outside the stadium. So I did not expect this. I thought that, you know, maybe he's going to give me, like, a wristband that's, like, access to, like, a bar area or access to, like, the field-level seats or whatever. I, I didn't know that this was going to be a Giants family wristband, so... We go after the game, and we're at the Giants' tent, and I'm seeing Jabril Peppers. Uh, I see Will Hernandez walking in. Uh, John Jalapio is there, and a, a lot a lot of other players. A lot of other players are there. Marcus Golden comes in, and 
I talk a little bit with Marcus Golden. I talk a little bit with Rhonda Golden. Shout out to Rhonda Golden if you're listening to this. She's a absolutely wonderful lady, Marcus Golden's mother. And really, I just have to say thank you so much to that entire Golden family. Marcus Golden was such a nice guy. We talked for a couple minutes. Um, we talked about how James Betcher would use him as a standing up as a middle linebacker, blitzing through a gaps. And I'm like, Hey, that's kind of interesting to be an edge rusher and blitzing up through a gaps. That's uh, so we were talking a little bit of football and uh, just a really cool guy, really cool family. I am so thankful and honored to like for that entire experience. Like I was in that family tent and I was shaking just seeing, just seeing these guys. And at the end of the day, I know these guys are human beings. And that's really like one of the things that I learned. It's like, holy shit, you know, these guys are people just like us. And I'll tell you what, I'm six foot. I'm six foot, maybe like two, 240, 240, 235 on a good day, I'll say. And I'll tell you what, uh, these guys, some of them are big boys, but you know, these, these DBs and these linebackers, man, I could, I could hang with them. I could hang with them. I would tread lightly, Justin. No, but seriously, like I'm so thankful for that entire experience that uh, the Golden family allowed me to be a part of the Golden family, at least for one night. So I'm so thankful. It was so honored and it was so humbling just to just because I have a podcast and just because you're kind of a nice person and just because, you know, we talk good about a guy who we think is going to be good for this football team that we were just that I was just given that opportunity. So, um, but anyway, Daniel Jones. So I'll just talk about the Daniel Jones story and then we'll move on. Cause there was a few other guys I ran into shout out Jonathan Hillman, who was a uh, graduate of St. Peter's prep. Um, I, he was a senior when I was a freshman shout out to Tenny out who was my quarterback back, back at the Port Reading saints right now. Uh, he's a safety for the giants. He was an undrafted free agent out of university of Delaware, but I met Daniel Jones and I just said, hey, Daniel, you know, he was talking with this family and I was about to leave, but I was like, I have to take advantage of this. This is a once in a lifetime opportunity that you're in this position. And I didn't even know that he was going to be in this family tent. Like, he's, you know, Eli wasn't there and some of the players weren't there that didn't really have family at the game or whatever. So I was like, Daniel, can I get a picture with the next franchise quarterback? So he laughs and he chuckles. His entire family laughs and chuckles. I take the picture with them. I said, you're going to kill it this year. I pat him on the shoulder like he's my best friend, by the way, which a little weird, probably a little inappropriate, but I pat him on the shoulder like he's a good pal of mine. And then I walk away and I'm like, oh, oh I just met Daniel Jones. So um, I had a, a very, very cool Thursday night after the Giants game. Yeah, it, I mean, we we actually got the chance to to watch the game together. Uh, we were both sitting down in my seats, and I I we we go up 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 to him at halftime, and and we're walking away after he gives you the wristband, and you were just like, "Wait, do I have like a family wristband now?" And I was like, "Yeah, it says family on it. Like you can just you're just gonna go down." And and it was it was like so spur of the moment and so unexpected, and that was it was it was really cool. So I, it was a really cool experience, I'm sure for you. And, and again, like you said, I mean, I only spoke to spoke to Marcus for I don't know maybe how long or 10 minutes as long as half Couple, yeah, it was, it was, it was like half, the length of half, the length of halftime yeah um but really what a what a nice guy and and extremely supportive of his son he 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 wanted to like tell us what what was his what, what was he saying he said we can he said we could book it get your popcorn ready baby he said, get your popcorn ready you could book it I think he, he might have said double digit sacks he 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 was he was calling he, for double digit he, sacks. He's, he saying du- he's talking double digits. So, so and, and we let him know that that would be fantastic for everybody involved. But I know I know Marcus Golden. I've seen some Marcus Golden quotes. Marcus Golden is much more behind the 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 common trend 
and the common league trend of looking at QB pressures, which is the accumulation of QB hits, QB hurries, and QB sacks. He is much more concerned about pressuring the quarterback rather than solely getting sacks, and that is exactly why I love him. Okay, well, the point is, the point is Justin had a fantastic Thursday night. And David was there to partially witness it. And also, David, I could not pay attention to anything that was happening the second half of the game. I had to go home and watch the film like three times because I I could not tell you, like from the game, besides the wave, I cannot tell you anything that happened the second half. Because I was so like just oh my. out of my mind, like what is going to happen after this game in this family tent? So... I, I can't stand I just the way I'm going to oh clip the audio to the video because it is hilarious and I'm going to do that right now no no we do not do this here no I hate the preseason no oh no game what's happening I don't know because the wave is happening because my favorite part is is obviously David in the video. David makes the video because he yells, you know, I hate the preseason, but then <laughs> the interception happens. I think Alex Tanny throws the interception and you yell, what is happening? I don't know because the wave is happening. <laughs> it was so true though. I was so focused on watching the stupid wave that I, I all of a sudden I just hear like this, this, murmur among the crowd and i just see a bears player running down the sideline and alonzo russell alonzo russell gets the heart and hustle award for making that for making that tackle by the way russell with the hustle i like it i like it all right so now that we're now that we're a decent amount of the time in we've got all of our stuff out of the way the way that we like to do our normal episodes david is now just yeah just in case you didn't know david like i'm like i'm informing you for the first time but the way that we like to do our normal episodes is by starting off with the injury report and then we go into what i think we are going to do is our quarterback report since we are in we are in the preseason then we're going to give out our game balls then we are going to do our giant shithead of the week and then i don't even know if we're gonna have time for this david but we tend to typically do a whose stock is rising and whose stock is falling. But I don't even think we're going to have time for that this week. So we may have to push that back to whose stock is rising and falling by the fourth, or to, I'm sorry, the third preseason game. But however, whoever's stock is rising and falling can definitely also be determined by who our game balls are going to and who our giant shithead of the week is. So let's, uh, let's get started with this injury report. Good news. Alec Gogletree is back practicing. Wayne Gallman also back practicing. And that was even back on Sunday. So that is a great sign for their week one status. I don't know if they're going to play week three the preseason. I think maybe there's a possibility that Wayne Gallman plays week three because he actually was practicing last week as well with this week, but it's a good sign that he's continuing to practice. But after the calf strain, Alec Ogletree is back on the practice field. DeAndre Baker returned to working individual drills back on Monday, which is absolutely fantastic after, you know, we were speculating a possible ACL tear. So great news returning to individual drills. Great sign for his week one status. Grant Haley was back in in-game action this past weekend. He looked very good. Had, I think, the pretty sure he had the best pro football focus grade on the entire defense. Sam Beal still has no sort of timetable with the hamstring injury, which is extremely concerning. 
Um, David, in my brain, Sam Beal is not even on this football team and not not even a factor in 2019. Like, I, I, like we're we're really approaching Jacoby Ellsbury's status. We need to think that way when when we're analyzing the defense. You you need to just imagine he's not there, and if he does show up, it's a bonus. You need to prepare prepare for life with the idea that this guy's not going to be in line. And according to my giant shitheads of the week, that you know. It may not be the best of things, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, a continuing conversation of depth in the NFL, and even when you think that you have depth, just how thin it may be. Sterling Shepard shed his non-contact injury jersey this week during practice, so again, more positive signs for guys' week one status. Darius Slayton is back practicing. He has since last week. I was a little surprised that he didn't play week two of the preseason. However, he also had a hamstring injury. I think they were playing it safe by not playing him. Um, But great news. Apparently, him and Daniel Jones had a nice connection during Monday's practice, according to Patricia Trania. He should play by tomorrow's game and get a lot of reps. I hope, I hope, I hope, because we have not really seen him in-game action at all during this preseason. Big George, rookie right tackle, is still out with the concussion. Not sure if this is going to become one of those uh, Victor Cruz ingrown toenail situations the Giants had. Now, do you remember that, David? Where Victor Cruz went on the IR for the entire year with an ingrown toenail? I do remember that. Not sure, because honestly, David, like we're at this point where we need to we need to make you know decisions where there's still like 90 guys on this roster. It's not like in previous years where we were able to go from 90 to 75 and then down to the 53. There's still like 90 guys on this roster, and we and the team needs to start making some decisions on who the final 53 is going to be. And you really do think that since Big George was a draft pick, he is going to be on the team. But also there are some tackles who are performing very well, who uh, uh, cough, cough, uh, you know, who's going to be getting my uh, my game ball this week. We have some backup tackles who we may have not expected to perform well, and we need to start making decisions on who's going to be on this team because I'll tell you what, 53 guys, even though it may seem like a lot, it's not a lot when you break it down by position by position where you kind of, you know, there are some times where the Giants have gone into seasons with only one backup tackle. David, let's get to our um, initial thoughts on the game and our quarterback report. So, David, I want you to take it away with the quarterback report. Maybe we'll start with Eli, and then we'll move forward to Daniel Jones. You know, Eli, 4 for 4, led a very successful drive. It was basically Eli and Rod Smith the whole way down the field. Eli looked extremely comfortable. Um, The offensive line did a great job maintaining the pocket for him, opened up some nice running lanes for Rod Smith. Um, Granted, uh, you know, again, we said this last week, and we're going to say it again this week, and we'll say it again, especially in week four. We get it. The Bears did not play a single defensive starter, I don't think. I understand, but you, you play you play who's out in front of you, and let's be honest, in, in previous years, the Giants' starting offense would not have been able to do that against the Bears' second-string defense. Well, no, and, and the excuse has been for years and years and years, including, you know, looking bad in training camp, the excuse is, oh, it'll come. It'll come. It's just training camp. It's just the preseason. Seeing positive results out of the preseason in any regard, whether it's in the games or in camp, is better than not seeing positive results. Take it as a positive. Like, don't just try to just poo-poo on everything and just like, oh, I take on the second strike. And I haven't seen no. a ton of it, but still, like, this Giants offense, particularly the offense, has been awful 
any positive sign you can get at all is a yeah, huge positive. Absolutely. So go ahead, David. Um, he looked good. Uh, Eli, to talk about Eli specifically, he looked really, really good. Um, like I said, extremely comfortable. Uh, looked like that everything coach called for him. He was capable running the offense. And that's something that I've talked about with Daniel Jones. I want to ask you why. Why do you think he looked comfortable? I believe he looks comfortable because he's beginning to trust the offensive line in front of him. Well, not only just that. Obviously, that's obviously that's a huge plus. And we're going to talk about the offensive line, uh, at least when I'm going to be giving out my game balls. But talk about play calling. Talk about formations. Well, because they're putting him in, they're they're putting Eli Manning in situations where he's comfortable. They're putting him in in formations where he's comfortable with 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 sets around him that make him comfortable with with tight with tight ends with crossing routes, things that he's always been able to do well. Moving out of the pocket, rolling out of the pocket, things he's always been able to do well. And I think one thing that made me really really excited uh, in the first drive, and and you know, when we talked about Daniel Jones last week, we had you know you had four throws. You had four throws to analyze. And with Eli, you now have four throws to analyze. One thing that made me really happy was, I, I don't remember if it was his fir- the first throw, the second throw, I don't remember. It was the Golden Tate. Um, it was a slant route. It was purely a timing, a pure timing, timing route. And I, I don't think, I actually think it was incomplete. They got a pass interference called on it. That is so, so important to this offense. And you saw Daniel Jones do the exact same thing last week against the Jets to Golden Tate. The run, uh, the run, the run pass option. A run, a run pass option, quick slant, Golden Tate, in between the linebacker and, the, and the, the corner. Corner can't get there in time. Linebacker can't get there in time. Boom. It's quick eight yards. And you know why that's so important? It's because that kind of play is what Odell Beckham consistently brought to this offense. And Eli Manning... Showing a confidence in the guys he's got around him, showing confidence in the timing that he's ha- the, he's got with his receivers. Remember, that's the Golden Tate. That's not the Sterling Shepard. That's not somebody he knows. That's not the Benny Fowler. That's extremely important to me. Um, seeing Eli looking decisive, looking like he knows where he wants to go with the football, and if it's not there, he'll go somewhere else with it. But the decisiveness that Eli Manning showed on the first drive, I think is extremely important. And you want to know why? He showed that decisiveness because Pat Shermer, when you line up in 12 personnel, when you line up in 21 personnel and you are passing out of those formations, and if you're passing out of those formations, especially when you're running out of the play action, you almost give Eli no choice but to be extremely decisive with the ball in terms of where he is putting the ball. When you spread the field, you are allowing more opportunities for dump-offs. You are allowing more opportunities for non-efficient and effective plays. When you're spreading the field, you kind of have this expectation that you want to pass the ball and you want to push the ball down the field. That is not what, like we've said it time and time again, that is not what this team is good at. That is not what Eli Manning is good at anymore. He can, I think he still can push the ball down the field every once in a while, but you cannot put too much in front of Eli Manning. If you allow him the opportunity to dump off, dump off, dump off, dump off, he will do it. But if you run Cody Latimer on a crossing route in the middle of the field and only two guys are running routes on a on a play action fake at a 12 personnel, if you're if the only people that are running routes are two wide receivers and then you have and then you have two tight ends that are blocking, guess what? 
Eli has no fucking choice but to throw the ball to a receiver and throw the ball down the field. So he will do it if he and has honestly, to. And honestly, I think what he's showing is that he's still capable of picking you apart. Eli, at this stage, if he if if a defense allows him to remain comfortable, and Pat Shermer is is smart in the way that the offense is called. So it, it's keeping him comfortable, but also keeping him, like you're saying, I think you're making a great point. I'm shying away from saying this word because people, I think, take this extremely negatively. But simplify it. It's simple in terms of you typically think of the NFL. NFL as a passing league. NFL as 11 personnel. More wide receivers on the field. Less time under center. More time in the shotgun. Like, I, I, tip, I don't think that a that this is going to be kind of like a simple offense. It's going to be a little backwards because it's it's kind of maybe going against the league trends where even though the Los Angeles Rams led the league last year in 40% play action, they were still in 11 personnel way more than the Giants were. And the Giants were in uh, uh, 12 personnel, which is two tight ends, two wide receivers, one running back on the field. They were in 12 personnel way more than the, than the Rams were. However... Like I said, Los Angeles Rams, one of the most forward-thinking teams in the league, ran play action 40% of the time. Giants were 17th in the league last year with a 24% play action percentage. That needs to go up, and it needs to be up with teams like the Rams. And guess what? Here are the top four teams in the NFL that run play action. The Rams, not in this particular order. The Rams, the Seahawks, the Patriots, the Eagles. How good offenses are all, all of them? And the Seahawks, don't, they don't have anybody on that offense. They don't have anybody on that offense besides Russell Wilson. And they've continued to be, you know, pretty solid in the scoring department, I'm pretty sure, these last few years. And this is, and, and this is to my larger point that you were alluding to earlier, which is just because the league is going a certain way, now, the, now it just happens that the best offenses seem to get this already. But the majority of the league still is operating on, under the idea of spread everybody out and we're just going to run. We're gonna run. We're gonna. There's gonna be a, a lot of a lot of options on every play. We're going to try to get the ball out of the quarterback's hand as fast as possible. There is a lot of merit to getting the ball out of a quarterback's hands quickly, and I still do think that is going to be a staple to this offense. But particularly now that when you now that when you combine the play action two formations, twelve personnel and twenty one personnel are both running formations. They're both typically under center, even though the Gi- I like how the Giants are running 12 personnel and 21 personnel. I've seen it during camp. They're running that out of the shotgun, which I absolutely love. I absolutely love. Put two running backs uh, on on either on both sides of Eli Manning and put him in the shotgun, and that's perfect. I love that. But the Giants' yards per attempt in running formations – Yards per passing attempt in running formations is leaps and bounds higher than what it is in passing formations. So they need to do it more, and I think they are going to do it more in 2019. I hope just because it's the preseason and just because everything is very vanilla that Pat Shermer does not stray away from this. I hope, I hope, and I pray because I I think, I hope, it works. Now, again, I'm not a fo- I'm not a football guru. I can only evaluate the numbers that are in front of me and the numbers say forward-thinking effective offenses in the NFL, they run play action a lot. 
The Giants are middle in the pack in play action. I can look at the film. I see Eli Manning is very effective in play action. He showed it in camp. He showed it in the preseason games. He has shown it in the 2018 tape. I know for a fact I can see the numbers. I can see the stats. When the Giants pass out of running formations, their yards per passing attempt is a lot higher than when they are actually passing out of passing formations. And again, this is all, not again, but introducing kind of like a new idea. When you do this, you are utilizing and you are using Saquon Barkley as a weapon when you are passing out of running formations because the threat of him running the ball is more present when you are in running formations as opposed to spreading the field out wide. David, I kind of want to, I kind of get finish. I kind of want to wrap up that conversation and then we'll move to Daniel Jones. That's fine. I was going to make that that last point that you made, which is we've talked a lot, and, and I think it's been a very, very large narrative surrounding this team since they drafted Saquon Barkley. The What is the value in drafting a running back at number two? You know what the value is? The, the value in drafting a guy like Saquon, this is not just a running back. This is not just a random running back. This is a guy who every defense number one goal is figure out how to stop him. So if you consistently put the offense in a, in in sets and formations that are that are bluffing run to the defense, that's number one. That's the number one thing they're focused on. They're not focused on Latimer out wide. They're not focused on Evan Ingram lining up in the slot. They're focused on stopping Saquon. So the way we the way that we used to talk about Odell Beckham. And how, well, the defense is going to have to account two guys to Odell, which is going to open up one-on-one options for other players. Forget that. The Giants understand their personnel. They're moving They're moving everything inside. That's a great point. And Saquon Barkley is now Odell Beckham. In the idea that Saquon Barkley accounts for so many players on the opposing defense. He strikes such fear in them. It opens up matchups for everybody else. And I think the Giants get that. You want to use Saquon Barkley as a weapon even if the ball isn't in his hands. Exactly. And the way that exactly. you do that, the way that you do that is by lining up in running formations more often because that's exactly what we saw with Beckham. Beckham was a weapon on the football field because you would automatically have two to three defensive players always having eyes on him. So, David, I think that is an absolutely fantastic point. I may even clip that shit. That's such a good point. Oh, I like to hear that. That's what we like to hear. I like that. All right, I want to move on to Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones, his final line was, drum roll, please. His final line, (laughs) I thought it was 11 for 16. 11 11 for 14. 14. Wow. 161 yards, one touchdown. I think his QB rating was up in like the mid-130s. So, obviously, he had the fumbles. Blah, 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 blah. David, let's just get this out of the way first. Um, Can we just chalk up the fumbles to simply, hey, I'm a rookie in the league, and all I have to do is just take more snaps under center, and all I have to do is just be more aware in the pocket, and all of this is going to come with more in-game reps. Yeah, he's he's fair. He's a rookie. I think every single team at some point in the preseason has a fumbled snap. It happens. It's why it's it, it, from a from a team's perspective. This is why you have the preseason. You got preseason to to te- to to see what you've got in younger guys, and also to let those kinks work themselves out in August. How about the strip sack? The strip sack bothered me a little bit more because he did seem extremely unaware of the guy coming, not just from his from his like face side, and that that bothered me was that it wasn't even his blind side. But 
again, like you said, I, I think it's just a matter of game, real live game reps. I think it's also a matter of this is an offensive line that he doesn't. Th- at that point, you know, we're looking at makeshift offensive lines. Right. Um, he's not comfortable with his guys. I mean, if you watch, I'm not remembering exact who the tackle was that just got, we're going to use the word bamboozled, which ended up allowing the, the sack, but it was quick. It was quick and easy on the defensive ends part. It was not Chad Wheeler. It wasn't Chad Wheeler, no. I and odds are the only two tackle, the only three tackles that have a chance at making this team, in my opinion, are Nick Gates, Chad Wheeler, and Big George. So if that makes you feel any better as a Giants fan. I think that one bothers me a little bit more, but again, I, I think it's just a, you know, if we are looking at, if we're looking in the regular season, all I want to see from him is instead of getting sacked, just fall, take the sack. Right, and that, right, right. Now, this is why I also think that in-game reps are so important because I think Daniel Jones has gone through an entire training camp where he sees somebody coming off his right side. They're not coming in and they're not touching. The play's dead, yeah. The, you know, no, not, no, not the play's dead. The play continues because you're not allowed to right, touch the right. quarterback at all. So the defensive end will just, or the, the edge rusher or whoever's just going to come in. He's going to, you know, swipe the ball two feet away from you and he's, he isn't even going to touch you. Then he's going to run away from you. So Daniel Jones has been used to that. And he's been used to those in, you know, those practice reps, which again, which is why I think these in-game reps are so important right. and why rookie quarterbacks that you are intending on being your next franchise quarterback, that they need to get as much as possible in their first year so they can get these growing pains out of the way more quickly. So that is also another reason why I think he needs to start and he needs to play, but we're not going to get into that because I am happy with what I'm seeing out of Eli Manning. David, I want to talk about the great, great three-play sequence that we saw out of Daniel Jones. I'd love to. I know what you're talking about. I forget when, because whenever I make Twitter videos, I don't include the time on the clock. Um, so that's so that's a bad that's a bad guy, bad guy move on me. However, all right, so this great sequence that I'm referring to, you are going to see Daniel Jones. He's going to read the defense. He kills the play. You you can see him and you can hear him on the telecast. He waves his hands like by his throat and he makes the kill, 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 kill signal and sign. So he kills the play at the line of scrimmage, changes it at the line of scrimmage. It leads to a 17-yard gain, play, pass to Benny Fowler. In a tight window, might I add, tight window, Benny Fowler ran a, ran a slant, leads to a 17-yard gain, first down. Next play, no huddle. Jones is able to call the play on the field, goes through his progressions for the first time after the ball is snapped. Now, this is the first time in his short two-game preseason NFL career that he was able to go through his progressions. He sees that nothing is open down the field. He takes his first NFL hit, and he winds up dumping it off to Rod Smith, which it leads to a four-yard gain. Both completions. Takes his first NFL hit. Next play, it was the huge play to Cody Latimer down the sideline. Now, obviously, the next play after the Cody Latimer plays when he fumbles the snap, but, but the most—I mean, you want to talk about an impressive three-play? I mean, not not just impressive. I can't even. What, what's another word, David? What's another? What's a better word than impressive? That, that's a pretty good word in and of itself. Um, su- superior. My mother said from the background. <laughs> superior three-play sequence that we did see from Daniel Jones. The fact that. 
you go from killing a play at the line of scrimmage, completing the ball, then you go no huddle, are able to get the play from the sideline, call the play, go through your progressions when you didn't even come out of the play from the huddle, go through your progressions, get hit, deliver the football, get back up from getting hit and not finding your receiver down the field and still finding Cody Latimer deep down the sideline and completing the ball on what would have been a touchdown drive if obviously he didn't fumble the ball the next play. Brian Baldinger did a great, uh, I don't know if you saw it, did a great breakdown of the the play where he, the, where he went through the progressions and dumped it down the rod to Rod Smith. And this is something that I've seen a couple of guys point out as time's gone on and we've been look we've analyzed Jones's college film more was he's very good at looking at looking defenders off. He's very good at, at moving his feet with his eyes. Yeah. You see, yeah, we've seen that during camp what? that he, even from an early point during camp, even in the spring with certain clips that the giants have posted from their social media account, very, very good with moving defenders with his eyes. Absolutely. And, and what's, what's, you know, what was really nice to see. And it, it's so dramatic when he does it, that even sitting in the stands, you can clearly see him doing it. And it's, and he's, it's great. He's not moving, but what he's doing is as he moves his eyes from one progression to another, his feet move with him. And he, he's staying totally, totally lined, uh, uh, you know, lined up with his receiver. He's ne- his, his eyes and his feet are always in the same place. They're always doing the same thing. And what you saw was was literally his body, his body, you know, a little turn to the left, head snaps over, body snaps over with him, and and he was patting the ball. He he's he's comfortable. He knows what he's doing back there. And then it it was as if he knew that Rod Smith was there the whole time. If if nothing else worked out, he had his dump off, and he and again it was decisive. It was a decisive decision. And I think what's really nice about that dump off, you know, it's funny because people were like, oh, you know. Uh, we you know get on Eli for the dump offs. Well, there's a difference between dumping the ball off because you've gone through your progressions and there's nothing there, and I, I you know and looking at looking at your first read, seeing a different colored jersey and panicking and throwing it to throwing it to your checkdown because that allows the, and that's what and that's what Eli does. Eli's checkdown is is his first read, and and what that allows is the defense keys in on that. The checkdown, you know, but a checkdown of four yards when there's really nothing else there, that's an extremely productive throw, and that's one that that rookies have a hard time making. In all honesty, they, they have and a hard did. time doing that, and he did it. And it wasn't just that he saw one guy and he felt it felt like he was covered, <clears throat> and he um, checked down. He's going through his reads, so I thought that play was really important, and I thought the the throw to Latimer. That did so many great things for proving us right, Justin. Yes. Because that right there is Cody Latimer's work. That is Cody Latimer to this team. That is what Cody Latimer is going to be. You did mention Cody Latimer's uh, impact uh, even on the sideline. And I was kind of like, oh, no, Cody Latimer is going to be in the middle of the field. Now, clearly, he showed that he could do both with Eli Manning, one of the first plays of the game where he was Eli Manning play action uh, first down catch over the middle of the field, but also with Daniel Jones, deep ball down the sideline. Cody Latimer is a playmaker. He's a baller. He fought for the ball, aggressive, and came down with the catch. That, that, that is what Cody Latimer is going to mean to this team. That That's what he'll do. And Daniel Jones, you know, you you, you can critique him for, for a lot of different things. You can find problems with... with what? What can you critique him, David? Um, well, people have certainly found ways to critique him. Well, screw them. They're not nice. Okay. But regardless, what he is showing in the first two weeks and throughout camp, he is not he's not afraid of making any throw. And it's funny, I've actually got a couple of friends of mine, we were talking about Daniel Jones today, and uh, my one friend who you actually know, uh, 
Justin. I'll, I'll shout him out. Good friend Larry Rooney is complaining because he feels like Daniel Jones is throwing into double coverage a lot, and and it it worries him. He feels like he's not making good decisions. Maybe the passes are being completed, but it's again second, third string defenders, first string defenders will won't miss these plays. I think that's I think that's nitpicky. I think you play who's in front of you. And I think it's a matter of trusting trusting your ability and trusting what your arm can do and understanding where your guys are, who your guys are. And I think his, I think ball placement's been fantastic. The, that Latimer throw was perfect. There was nothing wrong with it. And, and the only thing that might have been better than the throw was the catch. But there have been very, very few times that I think I've seen Daniel Jones and thought to myself, ooh, that's a rough play in the regular season. I don't like seeing that. It was completed, but I don't like seeing There it. has not been one. I want to make one uh, one point, actually. I, I saw somebody else make this point, and I really, really liked it. I'm, I unfortunately cannot remember who it was. Maybe it was Bobby. Maybe it was Bobby Skinner. If it, was, I'm g- if it wasn't, I'm going to give Bobby Skinner fake credit for this. Well, we, um, we always like to give Bobby Skinner credit because he's such yeah, a wonderful I th- person. I think, I think it was. Um, and also, it's really fun when you can analyze, when it's easier to analyze a quarterback's co- three incompletions to analyzing his 11 completions. You know what I mean? It's a lot. It's really nice when you have very few, a small sample size of incompletions, but there was one incompletion where I kind of like took a step back and I was like, Ooh, that's a rookie. I said it out loud at the game. I said, that's, that's a, that's a rookie. Are you talking about the one, the golden Tate, the one, with the golden Tate it was low and away. It was no, short. no, no. I'm glad just, he did that because he was covered. Tate was covered. I, I what? Well, this is where this is where I'm going. This is where I'm going. Initially, give me a moment, Justin. Oh, I'm jumping. The Initially, gun. I looked at that and I said, "Ooh, that was a that was a weak arm throw. He couldn't get it out there." And I realized he missed, but he really had no choice but to miss. And if you're going like when you throw that ball, that's exactly where you're supposed to throw it because if you miss. It falls to the ground. If you if you hit it, it's a beautiful throw and a beautiful catch. Well, it also could have been an interception if he hits him. Because I mean, he was he was pretty comfortable. Well, what I'm right, right. What I'm what I'm saying, but I'm, what I'm saying is, if he missed at all high and to the right, that's getting picked. He he put it so that only two things could happen: it hit the ground or right. it was caught. So even even as incompletions, the ball placement has been solid. I would say this as a response to Larry: he has only put the ball does despite whether somebody's been. Single cover, double covered, uh, one yard of separation between receiver and defender. He has only put the ball where his wide receiver could catch it and nobody else. That's my response to Larry. And we said that last week. So, David, I do want to move on to give our game balls. We This is going to be a long episode. So, uh, obviously, you can see how long this episode is going to be by the time that you're listening to this on your favorite podcast app. But strap in because it's just that right now we're getting to our game balls. Uh, David, uh, do you want me to now, David? Remember last year that we kept track of who started, like who di- or who started the previous week, and then the opposite yeah. person would start the next week. Let's start keeping track of that today. Okay, I am allowing you to start today because I am such a fantastic person. Um, give out your game ball. Um, now you see there are so many people because it's the preseason. The thing, the difficult thing about the preseason and evaluating the preseason is that so many guys, so many different guys play. So I feel like I want to give my game ball out to like multiple different people, but we'll just go with it. If you want to give your game ball out to multiple people, you can do that. So just uh, so just take it away. Well, I'm not I'm not really gonna gonna go searching too deep to find my to find my game balls. 
Um, I'm going to give one. I did this collectively with my stock report last week. I'm going to do it, the same thing this week. I'm giving a, uh, I'm going to cut the game ball into five pieces and give each piece to an offensive lineman. Oh, you did the same thing last week. That's, that's, that's boring. On the stock report. I have another one. Don't worry. Oh, okay. They've been excellent. There's been nothing to complain about with the offensive line. They are getting me, they, they're getting me very excited about their ability to be the engine behind this offense. Um, they look like a cohesive unit. They look like they trust each other. They, they, they just look like they know what the hell they're doing. And that's something we have not had in some time. So without going too crazy about talking about them, they've been playing at a very, very high, high level. Again, we get it. Second stringers, whatever, shut up. We'll get a better, you know, we'll get a nice long look at them next week. Oh, and also really quick, I, I, if, if, if anybody hasn't listened to Talking Giants at this point, go do yourself a favor and go listen to it. At some point in there, they talk about, I think Danny talks about how if the Giants shut down Demarcus Lawrence, um, week one, week one, it'll make his life, it'll make him like the happiest person he's ever been. And I completely agree with that. And I think Giants Twitter should do some kind of a celebratory um, collective dance, collective. Um, Bobby suggested like a compilation of Demarcus Lawrence getting like pancaked. I think you should post a picture, uh, a video to Twitter where you're dancing with your shirt off. That's what I think you should do. Okay, GQ model. I'm I'm angry. I'm angry. GQ hasn't contacted me yet. I wouldn't wait. Would wait for that phone call, Justin. It, it's a crime. It's honestly a crime that Baker Mayfield gets to give these outrageous quotes to this magazine, yet they haven't contacted me after my Beckham photo shoot. Well, what outrageous quotes are you going to give them? That bleeding blue. Uh, that bleeding blue is the best uh, damn Giants podcast to listen to in the world. So my second. Um... Game ball. This is my this is my real game ball. It's going to TJ Jones. Oh wait, funny story again. Funny story. The Bears broadcast, the Bears telecast, was kept on calling him Ty Jones. So that's we have to call him this week. Ty Jones. Ty, Ty, Jones? Ty Jones on the catch. Ty Jones. <laughs> Ty Jones. Seriously, TJ Jones. I believe I gave my game ball to him last week as well. You're so boring. You're so boring. So you just I'm, give your I game am, balls out the same. When people. you give. No, 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 no. It's you're allowed to do that. What what happens is if, if you give a game ball to, to consecutive guy in two weeks, particularly in the preseason, what that means is you've now gone from giving them a game ball to being on the hype train. That's like your ticket to the hype train. We have too many people on the bleeding blue hype train because we're now now we can just claim the entire team. Are you hyped about Antonio ha- Hamilton? No, he's going to be my giant shithead. See, you just gave it away. God damn well, it. I read the notes, too. Oh, um, TJ Jones just keeps making plays. Let the team in catches again. Let the team in targets again. Another beautiful touchdown. And to top it all off, I was I was on the fence because I was I understood. I was like, eh, I gave it to him last week. And then I remembered he also had like a forty-five yard kick return. Then he also muff a kick return or muff a pump. He, he has a habit of he has a habit of of not being able to catch them. But when he does, when he does, he returns them. He returns them to the fullest of his ability. Seriously, TJ Jones is solidifying himself as the unquestioned number four receiver. I think he is, I, in my opinion, he should be starting ahead of Benny Fowler. I don't know if he will because I think TJ Jones' connection comes more thoroughly with Daniel Jones, whereas Benny Fowler is really an Eli loves Benny Fowler from what everyone can tell. So I think that might work against him, but I mean, no doubt. We this is the guy we were talking about. We weren't sure if he was going to have a roster. Oh, spot he yeah, he's it's safe. initially it's so safe. 
it, 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 he no doubt is safe. And I, I will, I would pr- rather see him, you know, if, if the giants come out in a, come out in like a three wide set with Tate with Tate sidelined, if the giants come out in a three wide set on, you know, first down against the Cowboys, I want to see TJ Jones in the slot. I mean, no, because you still have Sterling Shepard. So Shepard's Shepard's automatically your slot guy for the first four weeks. So TJ Jones, I mean, dude, TJ Jones has been making plays down the field. I don't want TJ Jones just in the slot. He can do everything. He's so good. Take it easy there. So good. Take it easy there. He is so good. All right. Um, I'm I'm gonna give Take my, my I was it. going to give my game. Take my word for it. He will be Mario Manningham. Oh God. Watch. Oh my god. God, he will be Mario Manningham. Mario Manningham. What what impersonation was that? Chris Berman. Oh, nice. That's how Chris Berman used to say his name. <laughs> yeah, it was like your first. In, look, it was up. like your first impersonation that you've ever done on this podcast. I don't think you should do another one. I think that should be your last one. I'll do one of you. Yeah, do one of me. Uh, I'm Justin. Do do one of me of the intro. Like welcome, welcome, welcome. Do 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 one of me right now of that. Okay. Welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs> uh, this... Pick a random episode number. Do it again. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 62 of Bleeding Blue. Oh, that was really good. Was pretty that good. was really good. All right. Um, my game balls. Um, my first game balls are going to go to Mike Remmers and Nick Gates. Now, unlike you, where I'm going to talk, where you just talked about the unit and it was a boring take. Sorry, dude. No, no, it was, it was, it was, it was good. It was good. Wow. It was good. Um, I, that was really mean. I, I've been on a, I've been on a bad guy streak lately. But um, Mike Remmers and Nick Gates. You want to talk about guys whose stocks are up to individual players? So here we'll we'll, we'll do a little intersectionality here. Um, Mike Remmers. One of the things that I'm noticing from him, he has a nasty and mean streak that I feel like we've been missing in our tackles since like David Deal. Remmers plays to not just block you but to remove you from the play entirely. That is a huge strength that he has even showed during training camp as well. Like, did you see that play during that Rod Smith 17-yard uh, seventeen-yard gain where um, I was mainly looking at Rhett Ellison moving up to the secondary level and, and moving up to some linebackers and taking the linebackers' eyes away from Rod Smith, which allowed a slow-ass, like slow-as-hell Rod Smith to uh, get down the field. But during that play, Mike Remmers absolutely demolishes a human being like he, it was a pancake. It was a classic little old pancake. And I'm pretty sure in the same play, just, just to go to my, to my game ball a little bit. I'm pretty sure in the same play, Will Hernandez is like 17 yards down the field. Yes. Uh, yes. You know, just like moving people because they're playing as the unit. David Will Hernandez, Will Hernandez has been, has been amazing because they they're playing as a unit, David, which goes to your point. That's why they got my game ball, Justin. Yeah, see again, so I'm a bad guy for for questioning your your logic. Hell yeah. Just because it doesn't agree with mine doesn't mean that it's wrong. Yeah. So uh Nick Gates, um Nick Gates was actually the uh I believe he was the second highest graded player by Pro Football Focus this game. Paul Perkins was actually the highest, so uh good bounce back game for Paul Perkins, but he does not get my game ball. Um got a Pro Football Focus grade of 74. Uh, he has allowed just three pressures in 56 pass, passing snaps this preseason. Gates has kind of come out of nowhere, David. Uh, he was an undrafted free agent last year out of Nebraska. He started three years, one year at right tackle, two at left tackle. 
Guy moves very well. He doesn't float like some other linemen, like we talk about Zeitler, where he just looks like he's floating during his pass protection. Uh, he doesn't really float, but he does move very well. Solid mobility, but his overall strength and where he could improve, it's the lack of play strength. Uh, it sometimes can erase his solid footwork and mobility because, like we said with Remmers, he has a really nasty streak. But clearly, I mean, Nick Gates kind of coming out of nowhere, and he's getting reps, even though Nick Gates was at left tackle. And Chad Wheeler is primarily a right tackle. Chad Wheeler was playing with the third string guys. So between Nick Gates, who is getting, you know, left tackle starting reps over Chad Wheeler and Big George, who is hurt, but I think the Giants may want to keep around. Chad Wheeler, uh, he may be on his way out. He may be on his way out. And seeing him play against third string defensive lineman, David, and then looking back on last season and how he was the starting right tackle for this football team, uh, bizarre world. It opens your eyes. It makes you realize just how in how bad shape the Giants' offensive line has been in for some time. All right, David, uh, do you have any other game balls you want to give out? Because I have one other person I want to give a game ball to on the defensive side of the ball, and then I have an honorable mention. Well, I I won't give this guy a game ball, but I do have to say I would you know I feel like when you call somebody um, a shithead or you say their stock is down, if they play well the following game, you you, you should say something. Uh, Paul Perkins did play very well. I think he closed the gap a little bit. I think he he showed a little bit of what he can do. Um, obviously, what stands out is is the screen pass that he that he took for uh, maybe thirty yards. Uh, I don't know that specifically. Um, I thought he burst. It was great. Yeah, burst. I thought he played well. I'll give him that. I thought Rod Smith played a lot better. Um, and I thought, and I, and I thought Jonathan Hillman played a lot better. I still don't like Rod Smith. So I still think he performed the poorest out of all of the running backs. I think it's just one screen pass that's standing out that make that makes his game look a little bit better. He had some nice run plays in there, though. He really hit some holes hard. I have to admit that Paul Perkins looked pretty good. Um, outside of that, I thought Ryan Connolly played very well. Um, I thought he looked very aggressive. It looked like he he looked like he sometimes too aggressive. He, yeah, sometimes too aggressive. But I I thought he I thought he played well. I thought Jabril Peppers played very well again. Oh, David, I'm telling you, man, head hunting. There know. was another play again where he could have gotten called for a personal foul penalty, and I guarantee you, that's probably going to come week one. In and in a, it's never it's never a good time to get a 15 yard penalty called against you. But I'm telling you, man, they haven't called it this preseason yet. That is now the third time where he could have gotten called for a personal foul, head to head to head hit, or he's head, he's head hunting. I love the ability to try to finish plays, but dude, he's going to get called for it. Yeah, no, I agree. But but I but that aside, I did thought I did think he played very well. Uh, last two guys I want to point out, I thought Marcus Golden played pretty well, obviously getting a sack. That's right, first sack. Torturing the tight end that they put out in front of him, just dominated him, made a nice play. And got to gotta give a little shout-out to X-Man, getting his first sack as well. More of a hustle play than anything. I don't like X-Man. Could we call him OX? I like that nickname you came up with. Did I call him OX? Because I feel like, yeah, no, no, X-Man. you said X-Man. Because I feel like anybody with an X in their name automatically Can we is call him X-Man? Ox? But I do like the nickname. Can we OX call him better. the Ox. Ox. Oh, I don't know about that. I'll I go with like OX. OX better. But do you, do you, should we try to make it stick? Ox. All right. All right. We'll try to make it stick. All right. Call him Ox. I thought I. You know. Obviously, uh, first sack. Thought I had to point that out. 
outside of that, I would say uh, nobody performed horribly. I had a hard time finding my shithead of the week. Obviously, I don't want to take. I know yours. I did too. Outside of yours, I had a hard time finding one. So I'm 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 scraping the bottom of the barrel for mine. Uh, I'm being nitpicky, but you'll we'll get there. Thirty-two to thirteen it was a good game. Yeah, it was. All right, get to yours so we can uh, actually move along here. Yes, um, Terrence Fade received this. Now, again, ter- who the hell is Terrence Fade? Well, I'll let you know who the hell Terrence Fade is. He uh, He's from Marist. He went to college in Marist. He has been in the league for, I think, about four years now. Hasn't played that much. Believe he was formerly with the Dolphins. But Terrence Fade, number 69 on the New York Football Giants, received the second highest grade from pro-, pro Football Focus on the Giants' defense this past week. He had a fumble recovery, got another QB hit after collecting a sack last week. The dude's just everywhere, man. And I know it's third string. Like, th- there's there's a very big difference between second and third string, just like there's a big difference between second and first string. But I think the gap between second to third string is a little wider between second to first string. I could be very wrong with that take just to try to uh, boost my own point here. But regardless, Terrence Fade, man, two weeks where he's dominated whoever's in front of him. And, he, and, and it's what frustrated me is that he played so well the first preseason game and then he comes out, and I'm like, all right, so maybe there's a chance that we'll see Terrence Fade in the third quarter this week because we only saw him exclusively in the fourth quarter the fourth quarter of the first game. No, same thing again. With about 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter, that's when we saw him. But, dude, he just continues to be absolutely everywhere. He's a menace in the run game. He's a menace in the pass game. And, again, as a defensive end, he's a defensive end. He's not, a, he's not an edge rusher. So he's doing all these things. And also, I got to give another shout-out to a number 61, Jake Ceresna. Absolutely, they both of them were bowling out against third-string linemen. And I love how our two guys on the defensive line with both offensive line numbers are bowling out right now because they're <laughs> they, they just ran out of numbers. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it's the offensive linemen are getting confused. They're not used to blocking guys in the 60s. They're like, oh, we, we're just not going to block yeah, you because... Yeah, uh, you're an offensive lineman. You're one of us. You're one of us. So, But seriously, keep, keep an eye out for both of those guys. Like, wa- Watch the third preseason game a little, maybe a little bit longer than you normally would just to look out for Terrence Fade and Jake Ceresna because they are just so fun to watch. I don't know if they're going to make the team, but you know they're just fun to watch. This Giants team uh, come August 31st, they're going to put a lot of guys that are going to end up on other NFL rosters out on the out on the market. There's a lot of guys on this team that I think aren't going to make the team because they happen to be at positions that depth is not a problem. And I think, I think they've got some, they've got tough decisions ahead of them. And I, and I think guys like, you know, if Terrence Fader doesn't make the team, he'll, he'll get picked up. He'll be somewhere. I think Chad Wheeler, if he, if he gets cut, he'll, he'll end up somewhere for sure. Yeah. I mean, offensive line depth is so thin everywhere. So, I'm, they've got a lot of guys who I think who I think will end up on other rosters. Let's continue the let's fade BJ Goodson uh, season. Nate Stupar <laughs> looked much better than BJ Goodson. He did. He really did. <laughs> they, dude, Nate Stupar was everywhere. I know he dropped the interception, which would have been a pick six. But I mean, he he's everywhere. But he's also more of a special teams contributor. So he you you would think that. Not only does Nate Stupar have a, have, a, have a spot with special teams, but if he's looking better than B.J. Goodson, B.J. Goodson is definitely out, right? I would have to imagine because you look at you look at the linebackers, you've got the guys who you know are going to be there, right? So Tay Davis, Alec Ogletree. Um, Conley. Conley. Who is no longer a project. If, you know, he will be getting valuable reps this year. Like, he, he will. 
Yeah, definitely. First, you got you got to figure out in a in a, how many guys are they going to how many guys are they going to carry? Right. I I think BJ Goodson's got to be at the bottom of the list. He is. He is at the bottom of the list already. He's playing with the third yeah. string guys. So I mean, I, at this point, I'm shocked if he doesn't get cut. Like, I'm shocked, and I don't want to because you know there there are a lot of you know. Uh, just in case you didn't know, I, I, I'm a big fan of pro football focus. There are a lot of pro football focus metrics that back his ability as a tackler. He's a very efficient tackler. But, I mean, if that's the only thing you're good at as a linebacker, you know, no problems. Either, there's, there's, more, there's more to the game. So I, I, at this point, I'm shocked if he doesn't if he doesn't get cut. So uh, Nate Stupar gets a gets an honorable mention. So, David, let's get to our giant shitheads of the week, okay. and then we will wrap up. So... Like I said, I I really had to scrape. I had to find somebody to give this to, and I I'm 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 being picky. My shithead of the week is going to go to Alex Tanny. I'm okay with that. I thought, you know, you've obviously got one and two, right? You got Eli, and you got you got you got Danny Dimes. We know that. I don't like that Danny Dimes nickname either. You're being really difficult. I am difficult. You are very difficult. Um, so. It's really come down to, we're only going to carry three guys, so who is it going to be? Is it going to be Laletta? Is it going to be Tanny? And I've actually thought up to this point it was going to be Tanny. He, he's gotten more reps just game to game. He, he, he's had more reps than Laletta. I, I think Tanny has shown that he can be serviceable. He, he, he can run the offense. He looked really, really bad on Friday. And it didn't help that Laletta actually looked pretty good for the second straight week. You know... He threw a pick in the red zone. It's really in, in the in the end zone, not just the red zone. In the end zone, it's really something you can't do. And for yeah. a guy, tr- yeah. for a guy trying to make the team, who's who's in a in the QB three quarterback battle, you can't throw a pick in the end zone, especially not when when the guy you're going up against has looked pretty good, has thrown some really nice balls, had another really nice touchdown. Um, you know, just a couple drives before. You, you just can't do that. He he didn't. He just didn't look good at all. And, it, and it's weird because up until and this has gone on through camp. Up until this point, I really ha- I hadn't felt like any of the quarterbacks had a day, whether it was in camp or it was in either of the games, that you said that you said, man, that guy struggled. Besides Luletta, Luletta has looked bad during camp at times. He's actually looked more decent in games than he has in camp. I think in the two preseason games, he looked he's looked very no, good. I, I I definitely agree. But David. Now this isn't ju- this isn't to say that Alex Tanny stinks. I'm gonna say Kyle Luletta stinks. Like he he stinks. He's bad. I don't care what he shows you against third stringers. I'm just making I'm just making an observation. No no on no. And, and and I admire your observations because they're because they're more reasonable than I'm being right now. But I think this is also a reasonable take. You look at just how valuable a single spot is on a 53 man roster. Why in the world would the Giants carry three quarterbacks? Oh, I have no idea. When I was when I was saying that, when I was saying they, you know they're going to carry three quarterbacks, I personally don't get why. I just know they're going to. Like at this point, and it's not because the, you know, it's not because oh we you know just because Alex Tanny had one bad preseason game, but seriously, like just how good Jones has looked, you have to feel extremely comfortable with where he is at. And even if he was asked to play day one, I understand a lot of people's like, oh, you know, oh, he's a rookie quarterback and he's not ready, blah, blah, blah. If he was asked day one to play, you wouldn't be like, okay, okay. Now, there's no need because you look at all these running backs, right? 
You look at all these receivers, especially after Golden Tate's going to come back after his four-game suspension. You look at the conversations that we're having surrounding the the linebackers. We we need we need that extra spot. You look at all these guys that are going to be on the offensive line. There is no way that this team is going to be able to carry three right. offensive tackles. So either Chad Wheeler, our starting right tackle for most of the season, is going to be cut. When honestly, you know, even though he may not be looking great, he would still be a valuable depth piece to have. Or you're talking about Nick Gates being cut, who has looked good during camp. Or you're talking about possibly, you know, saying, I don't think this is this would happen, but Sayonara, the big George, who has a lot of promise, you know, because it's so thin. It is so, so thin. So why would you carry that third quarterback when you should be very confident in Daniel Jones. So that's my only point. And similar, and, and similarly to that, and, and we talking about the offensive line, you look at you look at linebacker too. You, we, we just got finished talking about how BJ Goodson might end up getting yeah. cut, and you don't feel like he necessarily should because he might have things he can still bring to the table. You're talking about you're talking about special teams depth. You're talking about things that are going to game in game out. They're going to win you games. They're going to lose you games. Is is lacking depth at these positions? And I agree with you. Uh, I, I don't get the point, but they've carried three forever and they're not going to stop. There have been years where we've only carried two. It's been some time, though. It's been some time. All right. So we'll we'll see what happens. I hope, you know, I hope for the sake of ha- just having an extra body at another position. When Eli Manning hasn't missed a game due to injury in his entire career, knock on wood, I would hope that they make that decision and have the trust in their sixth overall pick that he could be the you know the sole backup on this team so i'm going to finish off my uh giant shitheads of the week and they are both going to be henry oliver and antonio hamilton now i don't really have a lot of stats to back this up but we're at the end of the episode it's been a long time here's what i'll say there was a stretch from the two-minute drill uh the bears ran where they drove down the field and spiked the ball with one second left to the middle of the third quarter where oliver was getting picked on once every three plays um, Antonio Hamilton had some bad moments too. And what this basically reminds you of, David, I alluded it to it really in the beginning of the episode. What this reminds you, DeAndre Baker's gone. Sam Beal is gone. It reminds you that even though we feel very comfortable of the depth that we have a cornerback, you look and these are, you know, these are second string guys, third string guys that just because we have one to two guys that are hurt and they're not on the field, and how many times do we see throughout an NFL season, oh, we're missing one to two starters in the same group, in the same secondary group? It reminds you just how thin, even when you feel like you have a ton of depth at a certain position, at a certain spot in the NFL, it reminds you just how thin depth can actually be. Yeah, I, and I, I, we bolted on, on the show uh, over the last few weeks. Corner is the kind of position that you can never have too much depth because someone's going to get hurt. It, it's... It's going to happen. You're going to lose guys. People already for, have gotten for, hurt. <laughs> for one game, three games, seven games, you're going to lose guys. Look at the Eagles so last year. You, you, exactly. And you need to keep finding guys who can step in. Um. So is that is that about it, Justin? David, I think that's about it. Um. I have no idea how long this episode is because I'm going to edit it. I'm going to try to get it down as much as I can. But at the same time, David, I feel like this was one of our best episodes. That was some solid content. Yeah, it's, it's a lot, and I've been looking at the numbers, and not only are a lot of people listening, but a lot of people are listening for longer. They are consuming our product and our uh, our baby that we call Bleeding Blue. They're consuming it for a lot longer than they have in the past, so I want to thank you so much for listening. Like, really, uh, our numbers have been great, and we 
you know, we don't have like a huge, huge backing. You know, this is this is just David and I. Um, you know, it's just you know my little old Twitter page, and you know we put those hashtag Giants, hashtag Giants Pride out there, and we hope for the best, and we hope more and more people continue to see it. We hope more and more people continue to listen because that's what we want to do. We want to build a community. We want to build a bleeding blue community. And just really, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Thank you, thank you for following. Um, very, very humbled by this week and the the small steps that we have taken. Um, to becoming uh, what we want to be, and that is the best damn Giants podcast out there. So, David, any other final thoughts? Because uh, tomorrow, because we're releasing this much later than we would have liked to, but that's okay. Tomorrow, preseason game, most important preseason game, against the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, I'll give you a quick thing to look out for, okay? And you can take a look at it in if you, if you look at last Friday. Keep an eye out, especially with the offense with the offense playing, you know, together more. Actually, I actually wouldn't be shocked if we see Saquon for a drive or two. Oh, you just angered a lot of people there. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm not saying I agree with. It. I'm just saying I think I I would be I would not be surprised if we saw him. That's all I'm saying. Keep an eye out for the end of the, by the end of the game. What does time of possession look like? Because I think that will give you a very good idea of where this team is trying to hone, where they're trying to be successful. You look at at, at the game from last week; they own time of possession every every quarter. They won time of possession. They actually, I think, they had the ball for nine minutes in the fourth quarter. I think something that often gets overlooked, but for this team, time of possession is going to be key. And you know, the Giants looked really good on Friday. And I think that's a large port, large reason why. And now with the offense, with a fuller offense playing on on uh, tomorrow, I look forward to seeing if they can keep keep that trend going because that's an important trend for this team. It's the 2014 Dallas Cowboys formula. Never say that again, please. Well, it it is. It, no, it really yeah, is. I, though. I agree with you. All right, Justin, we got to really wrap is. it up. We got to wrap it up. All right, let's wrap it up. Uh, keep on bleeding blue. Thank you so much for listening. Really, like, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank uh, you. Keep an eye out for our pregame show, which will be out tomorrow. So we'll hopefully get that done. We'll continue to uh, pump out this content for you. Keep on bleeding blue and David. Stay beautiful, everybody.